Hey, we have some real treats for you for the next three weeks. If I have the schedule right, um, next Sunday morning is Sean Warwick time. Is that right? We're going to have him come next Sunday morning. And then the following Sunday morning, uh, we're going to hear from Kyle McMorrow. Um, But this morning, we get to introduce you to a little girl that we call Sarah Lowe. So I'm going to have Sarah come and join me. So if you are new to Legacy Church, you may not know um, Sarah as well as some of us. Um, So um, talked with Pastor, talked with Sarah, said, hey, this might be a good idea to find out who this person is. So Sarah, how long have you been coming to Legacy Church slash MGT um, I feel like Lori Roberts is a better one to know, like, the exact moment I entered this building. Um, 32 years and however many months since she saw me. So, so how are you connected to this church? Uh, like, right now. So why this <laughs> like, church? Why are you not oh, going somewhere else? Oh, okay. That makes it, that's a better question. Yeah. Um, because I love this church, and I love the people of this church, and I have just, um, God has given me a heart for this church. I think what I was really driving oh, at... Sorry. I didn't know what the question was. Yeah, see, here's the thing. As teachers, we end up finding out it's kind of important how you ask the question <laughs> and what it is, because I'm not going to let her off the hook until I get the answer I'm looking for, but that then means I have to ask the right question. Yeah. <laughs> Why this church? How did? What's your foundation here? How did you start coming? You just oh, walked you by one my morning? my testimonial? Okay. I grew up in this church. Oh, oh you know people yeah, here? I know people here. My like? my parents are here. No way. Uh, yeah, and so I've got family and friends here. Um, I have a big fan club here today, I think. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I grew up here, and then I went to graduated from Meridian High School. I went to Bible College um, for a couple years in Portland, and then from Portland Bible, uh, at that point, Pastor Ralph and Pastor Susie were already here, and they said, hey, why don't you come home, and we'll put you on staff. And so I've been here for the last nine years, I think, working with our young people, but it's specifically our children's ministry. Right. And so how you're connected to them because they are... My aunt and uncle. My aunt and uncle. <laughs> yeah. my, they're my aunt and my uncle. <laughs> there you go. So they're this, my boss and pastor. There first. you go. This is a little bit of a tricky, sticky question, because I, I just happened to notice, why is it you're never here when your Uncle Ralph is speaking? Um, other than playing hooky? <laughs> no. I'm in the gym with every Sunday, I've been in the gym every Sunday for the last like nine years, it feels like, um, with our children's ministry, and so I am the children's pastor here, and so where you don't see a lot of little ones, that's because they would normally be with me in the gym, and I would, it's really weird to be with you guys today, by the way. I'm like, at the back of my mind, I'm making sure, like, what's happening over there? Um, Did I leave everything in order for them? So that's why you guys never see me, unless you come into the office during the week. I'm the face you see in the office. But um, other than that, on Sundays, I'm normally running around, or I have a kid or two in my hands, and so. (laughs) So she is a busy, busy girl, so she's not just skating out all the time. (laughs) She really has, has work to do. So besides church work and all the other things, what else is going on in your life? What are your long-term plans? What are you going to be when you grow up? I don't know. Lori Roberts. <laughs> I always tell her I'm going to be are you, I... are you going to school? I am. Um, you're kind of taking some of my 
message. I, was um, I am I am in my last year at Boise State. I'm a full-time college student. In addition to everything you see me doing here, I go to school, and um, that's kind of part of my journey. So I guess stick around if you want to hear more about that. Stick around for the journey. I'm going to get out of here and just let Sarah um, tell you her story. But we just wanted to make sure you kind of knew a little bit about who this girl is and why it is we're asking her to speak with us this morning. So with that, Sarah Lowe, here we go. Thank you. I'm going to try to run the slides from up here, so we'll see how that goes. Okay, it's working. I just can't see it on here, so I'll have to like blindly guess that it's going where it's supposed to go. Okay, so um, when Pastor Ralph and Pastor Susie, it was actually Pastor Ralph, asked me um, to preach, he he basically had already I'd been he'd been letting me preach to him for about half an hour that day <laughs> out there. We were just talking and talking about our church and what we felt for the future of this church and kind of at the same time how it tied into my journey a little bit. And um, he kind of stopped me and was like, hey, Sarah, do you, do you just want to preach on a Sunday? And I was like, oh, I haven't. I think the last time I did that was when I was 19 and I came back from Bulgaria with Pastor Bert and Pat. I can't remember the last time I stood up here and was up here the whole time. Um, but um, I really felt like the moment that happened, some things snapped into place about what I'm supposed to share with you guys today. And um, part of it is telling my story a little bit. Um, and it's not a very fun story, but I don't know how many of you would actually know that. Um, and the reason I feel like I need to share this is because um, I feel like there are some of you that are here today that um, maybe are in a very dark season of your life. And um, you feel very completely like overwhelmed by the waves of just life, of grief, of sorrow, of just you don't feel you're good enough or you feel like you've just been a failure and you're pathetic or whatever it is, the, storm, the storms that you are going through, I just feel like that is, that is something that um, I'm supposed to address today with you guys. And I don't know what you see when you look at me. Um, some of you we just talked about have known me since the very moment I was brought into this building. Uh, some, of, some of Lori, she tells my favorite birthday story. She remembers exactly the moment I was carried in 32 years ago. Uh, some of you know of me. You've seen me through the years off and on. Some of you just more recently have gotten to know me. Others, this is the first time you're seeing me, and you have just figured out, oh, this girl, her name is Sarah. But I don't know what you see when you see me. I don't know what your perception of me is. If you see strengths, if you see weaknesses, if you like her, if you don't like her, I don't know what you see when you see me. And part of that is because I am so busy. Part of it is because I just haven't shared sometimes my journey of what I'm, I'm going through. And I just felt like it was time that I'm through enough of it that it's okay to be a little vulnerable with you guys today. And I just want to share this because I feel God saying, Sarah, it's not your story anymore. It's their story. It's our story. Um, so sorry for all the ums. Jen, you got me really paranoid about the ums now. <laughs> the last nine years have not been fun. <laughs> I know we just said I've, I've been here on staff for nine years. It has not necessarily just been this joyful, fun experience. It has been hard and difficult. I have learned what disappointment feels like and what bitterness of spirit feels like when dreams are not fulfilled. And after a while, you just stop dreaming. You stop 
hoping for new things. You stop wishing that, oh God, I want this, this innermost desire, dream of my heart to be fulfilled. You just stop dreaming that because each year you see it fulfilled by someone else and you just get, it seems to be left in the background and God just seems to be passing you by even though you've like put him first and everything. And, and so over the last nine years, I've really stopped dreaming. And that's just been a really not good place to be. Uh, so I'm gonna, so we're gonna, I'm gonna tell you more about my story and stuff um, more specifically. Uh, but I learned basically how to survive, not thrive. And that's what I was doing the last some years of my life is just basically merely surviving and not thriving. And that's not where God wants us. Now, I need to also say God was with me every step of the way. I was never out of his will. If anything, people kept saying, Sarah, you're exactly where God wants you. And I kept thinking that's of little comfort when I'm not enjoying where I am. Are you sure he hasn't called me out to this wonderful thing over here, or this flashy thing over here? And it's like, you are supposed to be exactly where you are. So I knew the whole time I was where I was supposed to be, and God has never abandoned me or left me. Uh, but once again, year after year, I'd see my dreams being fulfilled by others. And, you know, eventually I just stopped dreaming because it was so hard. And I wonder how many of us today are at that place where we're just ready to let that vital part of us just die, wither away and die. Um, how many of us are just basically too exhausted to continue the journey? And basically we've just been beaten down so much and so overwhelmed we're just laying there be um, bleeding. So I mentioned how nine years have been difficult, but it really didn't get to the lowest and darkest point in my life till two and a half years ago. And no, it's not a coincidence. That's the same time I started having to go back to college. Um, I felt like, from that old Sarah's perspective, that um, the rug had been almost violently and abruptly pulled out from under my feet at some point, and I discovered that the course I was on with my life and that I had poured all my time, attention, and focus into was no longer the course I was supposed to continue on. And it was heartbreaking, and it was disappointing, and um, I realized I don't know what to do next. God, this is not where I thought I was supposed to go. And yet here, you're, you're giving me no other option. I have to go back to school. It was very disappointing for me, and I, <laughs> it was so painful. I went to Bible college for a certain reason, and to have that reason kind of fizzle out was so bitter to me and disappointing to me and hurtful to me. And to lose a job is painful, and this is kind of what it was, was almost losing a job. But it was also, I was also losing an identity, and I didn't have many identities in my mind. I didn't have many identities to begin with, and so to lose this one was so painful. And the moment this happened two and a half years ago, I felt immediate fear and just great concern about the future, I basically looked at myself and realized I was um, 30 years old and I have to return to college from scratch, basically. Uh, and it just felt like failure. I felt so pathetic that I had nothing to show for my life at that point. Being 30 years old, being single, no kids, no family, I had given everything to the church here and I felt like, and I'm just being really, really honest with you guys, um, and I haven't shared this with most of you guys, but I felt like I, I served this church so hard and so with my whole heart, and I served God so hard with my whole heart, and I, I, I never took my eye off him for those first 10, like all through my 20s, and then to be like, God, at 30, 
you're making me go back to school. This is not where I saw myself at 30. I saw myself in a totally different place. And you're making me go back to school with 18-year-olds? This is so humiliating. And meanwhile, the friends I have my age are already through college. They have established careers. They've got beautiful families. They're married. Everything. I have nothing. You've taken what I did have away from me, God. And it was so painful and embarrassing. And, and, and I just felt so pathetic. And, it, and that even drew, just took me to such a deeper and darker place. I, I felt so utterly like a failure. I don't know. It just felt like the whole previous decade, that decade I spent serving God and saying, God, your will, not mine. It felt like such a waste of time. And it just, it just so hurt. And I don't know how to explain this dark place I was in, unless some of you that knew this and, and saw me go through it. It just, to say I felt mad at God would be an understatement. I was filled with such, such anger and disappointment and rage. And um, it was such a dark place to be in. And I just felt no hope. I was mad at my pastors. I was mad at my God. I was... What did I do to deserve this treatment, God? I spent so many times asking him this, and I, I felt like, God, I, I've, I've served you for so long, and instead of getting me out of this, this path that hurts so much, I, it felt like the pit just got dug deeper and darker, and it felt like instead of getting out of this place where I wanted life, it just all of a sudden dropped off, and I was in a deeper, darker hole than I was before. And I don't know how many, many of you guys can relate to that, um, but that's what it felt like for me. Uh, it felt like Joseph, who had finally, like, was just striving to live in Potiphar's house, got thrown from his house into prison, which is so much worse. And that's what it felt like for me. Like, God, what did I do to have to go through this experience that is so painful and humiliating? Um, and it's really difficult today to articulate how fully how dark, hopeless, and deep the pain and betrayal felt for me and how deep it went, and to express how long I stayed in this place. Because, um, yes, even when I was here, serving here in church, and going to school, starting going back to college, uh, it, I didn't get over it just like that. I, I was living in a very, merely surviving. I was surviving with all these feelings and just not knowing exactly what to do. And... So the best way, I guess, is, is to, to go back to 2014 and read to you guys directly something Pastor Susie wrote for me. I had been talking to her, and she wrote down every word that I used to describe myself and my situation, every word that I knew to be true about myself. And these are the words I, I actually spoke about myself one time meeting with her. And um, I called myself pathetic. I called myself a failure. Um, I felt so utterly alone, and I was desperate. I, I felt like, I'm going to skip down to untrusting, because I felt like I couldn't trust God anymore. He brought me to this place. Why would I trust him again? I felt anxious, so anxious. I'm not a normally, I'm not an anxious person. But during this season, because I had removed my trust from God, all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden my anxiety spiked, and I felt like I had to take care of everything myself. Um, once again, panicking about everything, like, oh, no, what, I have to find a brand-new path at 30. That's so hard for a 30-year-old to do. And a woman, too. I mean, that's really difficult. Uh, I didn't trust God. I didn't trust those around me. Um, I felt so isolated. I felt unworthy of everything because I was a failure. And I felt unloved. 
unloved by God and um, some others around me. I just felt totally unloved and abandoned, basically. Uh, and remembering the exact long, how long I felt these things is a really hazy thing because when you're going through the storm and when you're going through these things, time is a weird concept because your focus is not a healthy focus. It's not a healthy perspective. And so, you, so I can't exactly pinpoint how long it felt like I was in this dark tunnel, dark cloud, dark pit. Um, but it was definitely a long one, and um, it was months long. And I can, I can honestly, honestly say I had more bad days than good days. There were more times I would go home and just want to cry and did cry. And I remember being really excited, like, oh, this is, I had a good day. I think I remember talking with my friend Jen about, Jen, I just had another bad day. I'm just having, I'm just having some bad days. I mean, this morning was good, but then, man, it's just like those, I just can't get my head out of this. Um, I stopped trusting God, like I said, I, because one of those, I felt like an idiot for trusting him in the first place. You know, it's one of those, fool me one, once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And I was just like, God, man, you made a fool of me so much by trusting you and everything. And um, it just was really hard to trust God. And, and I didn't, and that's where the anxiety came from. And I served him still, but I was filled with such shame and such hurt I couldn't even say I love you, God, anymore. I never, in this journey, denied his existence. I always knew he was God. Uh, my perception of whether he was a good God was warped. And I truly felt like he is a good God, but his, ver- his definition of good is different than my definition of good, obviously. He's, good. He's thinking, oh, good for mankind is to have Sarah go through these things. And it's not necess- necessarily thinking what's good for Sarah. And I felt very abused and used by God. But I couldn't say I loved him. And I went back and I, I did everything. And, and you know what? At this point, because I called myself a failure, because I saw myself like this in this warped perception of being a failure, being pathetic, and being such a loser, I had a hard time opening up and even sharing fully with my family, with my friends, because I felt like especially I had to put on this brave face of, oh, I'm going back to school. It's wonderful. But at the same time, I knew it was a lie, that it wasn't wonderful. I hated the idea of having to go back to school. And I knew that if I brought people into the journey, I would see the sense of myself reflected in their eyes. I felt like I would see my dad say the same things about me that I've already been thinking in my head. And so there was a reason I closed myself off. And I just, and I know it's not true, but that's just how I felt when I was in that, that dark place. Uh, I wanted to quit so many times and run away when things got hard. I would let myself daydream for about like five minutes. What would it be like? Where would I run away in this moment? Um, I think I have enough gas in the car to get me to Pendleton. I'll hitchhike the rest of the way to Yahats. Like there was, there are some places in my mind that I'm like, I wish I was just there right now and not having any of this bother me. And then I'd be like, back to reality. I can't run away. I can't quit. But I so badly wanted to because things were so suffocating and overwhelming to me. Um, But I wouldn't let myself. And and the thing was, at the very beginning, I was so overwhelmed by everything that was still expected of me here, that was still expected of me at school. And at the same time, feeling unworthy of everything, it just overwhelmed me. And that anxiety really hit me. And there were moments that I cried and sobbed and hyperventilated because I couldn't even 
think of how, I was, how was I going to get past this week with everything I have to do, and I don't want to do it. I don't enjoy it. This is horrible for me. I had to really narrow my focus. And I will say this, I, spoilers, so I'll get to this later. God was still with me through every step of the way, and I believe he was helping me to narrow my focus. But there was something I really had to get my head around, and it was just taking it one day at a time because that's all I could handle. And weeks of this went by where I was just thinking, just take it one day at a time, just one day at a time. And I realized that pretty soon that was my mantra. And I have it um, on my fridge, and it's still there two and a half years later. Just take it one day at a time. And it's really, it's like a survivor's mantra almost. <laughs> like, I didn't realize it, but I, I had to take things one, at, one day at a time, sometimes hours at a time. Like, a day would be too overwhelming me. If I, if I didn't want to go to school because I just, I didn't want to face this thing, or I didn't want to come to church, and I didn't want to face this thing, I literally was having to live at it. Like, don't think about this afternoon, Sarah. Just try to get through this afternoon. Then think about this afternoon. And just, I had to really minimalize things to make it possible for me to get through. It was so overwhelming. So that first year was awful and painful, but I didn't quit, and I didn't run away. I took it one day at a time, and I lost count of the times, how many times I cried and sobbed and yelled and was angry at God, and this is honestly what a messy, honest relationship with God looks like. You're never, like, your whole life, if you spend your whole life just quietly, oh God, thank you, it was a tough day, but, you know, just be real with God. God loves it when you're messy and real and honest with him, and I felt bad at first saying, I can't be angry, like, I can't tell God I'm angry at him, and Pastor Susie's like, no, you can, go tell him you're angry at him, and just let him, let him explain to him, and so there were so many conversations I had with God in my house late at night, and I was messy, messy crying, mascara running, and it was awful, and I'm like, God, this is not where I want to be in life, I was so mad at him, but I've lost count of how many nights I spent like that because like I said, there were more uh, bad days than good days, so most of the days are like that. But I kept going. And the funny thing is, the following summer, I realized something, because I just kind of put my head down and just could only focus with well, whatever was in front of me. I didn't stop. Like, so many times I wanted to stop, but I just said, okay, if I can only take one step, I'll just take one step. I'm not able to sprint. I'm not able to soar like those eagles you see on those motivational posters. I can take one step. And so I put my head down. I just took one step, one step at a time through that whole first year. And pretty soon it was summer, and I had completed basically my first semester of school, and it was summer, and I realized, oh, wow, okay, well, when was, this wasn't supposed to happen. I kind of like school. This is challenging and fun, and I'm learning, and I'm doing really good, and I'm definitely one of those people who's competitive when it comes to grades, and I like to be a teacher's pet. So it was a surprise when I'm like, I really like this, and... Uh, oh, but should I tell people I like it? Because I've kind of been like, I don't like this. And I, it took me by surprise how slowly I had been coming out of this, where all of a sudden I, I like school now. And then the following, it was really weird, the following summer, I realized my anger at God was gone, and it had disappeared somewhere the previous spring. And it wasn't like an act of, I'm angry at you, I'm angry at you, I'm holding on to this anger. A lot of it was, God, I'm angry at you, I don't want to be angry at you, but I'm not ready to ask you to remove my anger. And it just slowly, I slowly started evolving, like, okay, God, now I'm ready for you to take that anger away. Okay, you know, so I started to do that, and it just, I walked towards it. I, I, I knew I was so raw, I was a, just an open wound, and I wasn't ready for someone just to slap a bandage on it and be like, you're good, now go walk it off. But I knew that what I was going through with God needed time, and God was very patient with me, and so finally I just, 
I don't know the exact moment, but I realized, God, I'm not angry at you anymore for everything that you've t- done for me and you've taken me on, and, and I'm not angry at you. And that was not this summer, but the previous summer. And so now this summer has come. And I realized, God, not only am I not angry at you, not only, only am I having fun, but Lord, I am so passionate and so excited about where you have me and what you have planned for me. God never abandoned me, and he has helped me walk through these last years. But what's crazy is he's blowing up my mind now in ways that he hasn't done since I was 22. I have felt stronger and more alive and more passionate for his plan in my life and his plan for this church. And it's just a journey that, and I'm just being real with you guys about my my journey because I feel so strongly about what I want to pray over you guys later, but that he's just really has, has... done something in me that was so sneaky because I didn't see it coming. And it was, he's just refined me through this trial. And I am not the same person I was a year ago. I'm not the same person I was two years ago. I am not even the same person I was when I was 21 at Bible college with a whole bunch of excited, zealous Christian Bible college students. Um, I am so much stronger, I feel now, than I ever was before. And God was so sneaky about that. And I'm, and I'm just so thankful now. I can say now how thankful I am about this journey. And what's, what's funny is I have been, I don't know how to quite process where I am now and where God is going to take me because I feel like the last nine years have been me striving to survive in the dry wilderness, Israelite style, that I am now having to learn how to thrive in the promised land. And that's such a weird thing to wrap my head around, especially for those of you who have been, you know what it's like to, you're just trying to get through the day. You're just trying to get through this week. You have so much, so many things grabbing your attention. You don't have joy. You don't have this or that, and you're just trying to get through the day. You're striving to survive in a wilderness, and that's what it was like for me. And so I am having to exchange that for a mindset now of what is it like to thrive in the promised land, and it's completely foreign to me. Um, but it's great, and I can't wait to learn. Um, the other thing is, I realize that if I look at now my life today, my circumstances have not changed at all. I am still working like crazy here at church, also a full-time college student. The same end result is still the same, that when I am done with college this year, I am going to be looking for a job outside this church. Uh, So the original plan is still in place, but why am I so happy about it now? Why am I so joyful about it now when it caused me to be sick, physically sick, with anxiety and panic and fear and just disappointment and everything else? Nothing's changed. My circumstances have not changed, but my perspective has changed. And I have learned perseverance. And I have learned that this is life. Life throws these things at you, and you can either quit and back down, or you can keep going. And my days are still overwhelming, and there are still moments where I fight to not give in to fear. And I've had some days like that this, this summer. But the good thing is there's way more good days than bad days. And even on those bad days, I always can end them the right way. But my perspective has changed because of perseverance. And so James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Okay, so this is kind of not a very encouraging um, scripture verse if you're in the middle of the trial. (laughs) It's one of those that I can look back and now and be like, oh, yes, thank you. Thank you, God, for that trial. Oh, man, did it refine me so well. But when you're going through it, the thing I hated the most was being that that raw, open, bleeding wound, 
and that was how you felt, and people coming up and be like, oh, bless you. You are going to go on such an adventure. This is, God has got such great things for you, and you're like, can you not see? I'm struggling just to get through this day. So this is one of those that I'm like, really? Now I can go back and I see this is awesome. But what does it mean when it talks about perseverance? And so I thought, what is the definition? Perseverance is continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or, or opposition. The action or, of condition or an instant of per- persevering steadfastness. And so perseverance makes no worldly sense, basically. If we are facing guaranteed failure, uh, logic just says to get out of town. Just stop. Why put that much effort into something that's going to fail? And some of you that are here today or listening later online, that's where you guys are at, I feel. There are some of you that are facing things in your life that you are so heavy on your shoulders, so heavy on your heart, like you are just completely overwhelmed and you're exhausted and you're suffering and you just, you just want to quit. You just want to tap out because it doesn't make sense to continue because nothing will change. I get that because I prayed that. I asked that as a God I really want out of this. Give me um, what's, what's option C. You know, I don't want to do this. But he didn't give me the easy way out. He gave me the right way out. And it was the hardest and the most difficult way out, but he gave me the right way out. Because God has a plan for my life, and he lovingly stood by my side as I cried and was angry and was confused, and he still stood by my side as my strength was refined through these trials. And I know God grieved with me when I grieved, And he also was still there to encourage me to keep walking through, even though he knew I had more trials ahead of me, too. You see, there's there's only one individual that would have prospered if I had quit anywhere in the last two and a half years. I'm going to throw in the last nine years. There's only one individual who would have prospered had I said, this is too hard. I'm not getting my way. I'm not getting what I want. I'm going home and crying each night. People, I just feel so invisible. No one sees me. This is so disappointing and discouraging. I'm just going to quit. There's only one individual who would have prospered, and it wasn't God, and it wasn't me. It would have been the enemy, the devil. Because there is... (laughs) The lies I believe... the, The things I said about myself at the very beginning, being pathetic and all that stuff, those were not from me. Those were from the enemy, and those were lies. I didn't know that at the time, but I believed them about God, and I believed them about myself. My anger and bitterness was not the fruit of heaven. See, we are children of God, and we have such an amazing destiny set before us, and it scares Satan. It scares the enemy, and if he can get us to stop, if he can get us exhausted, if he can get us weary, if he can get us to back down or even to pause what we're doing, he's, he's happy, he's content, because he sees you as his enemy. He does whatever he can to distract you from who you really are and what the purpose of your life truly is. And that's what was happening with, with, with me, is that God knew who I was and what I truly was capable of. Well, so did the enemy, and the enemy was trying to distract me and, and do so many things to me. I love this quote. I'm going to find it really fast. There it goes. Nope, that's not it. Here it is. This is a Pastor Susie quote, and she's not here today, but I'm quoting her. If Satan can neutralize you, he can mute your influence. And I want you that, especially those of you that are going through whatever you're going through today, to think about this. If you stop what you're doing, or you back down from whatever it is you're doing in your life, fighting for your family, fighting for your marriage, fighting for your job, fighting for yourself or your friends or whatever, if you stop it, you've been neutralized. And the devil has just muted your influence over their life because you are kingdom sent into the world. So if you get overwhelmed by the world and you stop, God hasn't won, the devil has. 
So those feelings you're feeling today, that, that voice that says you're a pathetic, massive failure, life unlovable, that whispers to not even try to stop because it's getting too hard and overwhelming. It's not your voice. It's the desperate voice of your enemy trying to keep you from continuing. And there's only one path, one right path to continue. It's, it's to lean into God's presence. There's been so many times where I don't know if I can make it, if I don't know how I can possibly get through my day, but I keep my eyes locked on God, and I keep my eyes just focused on him instead of what's going on around me. I know, I know it's there, but if I keep my eyes focused on God and I lean into his presence, maybe it's throwing on worship music. Maybe it's, it's uh, opening my Bible to a Bible verse that will strengthen me, but I have, to keep, I have to lean into his presence. I have to keep my eyes on him to get me through that. I turn to him and I find my strength is renewed. Psalms 119.28 says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me, strengthen me according to your word. So what is that? Well, what is the word? Well, it's the Bible. So we need to know these key verses that when we're overwhelmed and tired and when we feel battered and beaten, we need to know which ones to have in our pocket to pull out on these days. This is one of them. Also, Isaiah 40, 29-31. He gives strength to the weary and increased the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And the last one, Philippians 4.13. This is an awesome one. Because when you have God's strength, when, you, when you're exhausted and you're weary, you can't go another step forward, but you find yourself strengthened by God, What's so neat is you can do, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me strength. So I know many of you, I don't know what's going on, but I felt so strongly in my heart that some of you are struggling. Maybe you don't feel like you're good enough. Maybe you feel like you're failing your family and your friends and your church. Whatever is going on, I want to say to you, you have been fighting battles and are exhausted, and you feel like maybe you cannot handle one minute more. Life has ceased to be good. It's okay as Christians to say, hey, guess what? Life's not good right now. It's, you don't have to be like, you know, happy, peppy Pollyanna all the time. You can say, guess what? Today wasn't good. Life wasn't good. And recognize God's still good, but life wasn't good. So I want to show an image. I want to share something with you. I was having one of these days this summer where I just felt so battered and worn and exhausted and disappointed and I was, it was on a Wednesday night, um, shout out to all my Wednesday night prayer people that are here today. Um, I was praying, and I just was totally overwhelmed. I said, this is a horrible, bad day. God, I just feel really bad, discouraged. And I just felt in my spirit, I need to get into this sanctuary, and I need to just listen to the worship music, and I just need to pray. And so as I was praying, I felt like God showed me this image, and he showed me this image of this person, and it was like modern day, but like like post-apocalyptic, like there was just, like she was like, there were cars on fire, there was smoke, everything was just like, but this lady, this, for me, it was a lady just was walking through and she had on jeans and a t-shirt, but the jeans were ripped, the t-shirt was smudged, her hair was kind of falling out of her ponytail and she had just bruises and, and abrasions and she just looked like she had been through basically hell in a way. And she had just been so battered and beaten up and she looked like as she was walking through the smoke, you could just tell it that she was getting ready to face an enemy, but she was utterly exhausted. And she looked like she was, it wouldn't take much from the enemy to knock her down. And as I just saw this image in my mind, I just 
just saw that, oh, she looks so, like, it's going to be so easy. Like, you see in the movies where the hero looks so easily about to fall over. Um, I think of the Princess Bride with Inigo Montoyo when he's, like, or whatever his name is, like, when he's about to fall over. And you think he's a goner, but then he's not. So that's almost, I saw this lady, and she was standing there, and she looked so battered and beaten. And she was almost dragging a sword because she didn't almost have, she didn't even have the strength to almost lift up the sword, but the sword was still in her hand. And I got the impression that she had just been through battle. And somewhere along the line, maybe she lost her armor, and maybe she lost her shield somewhere, and all she had left was her sword. And the enemy was coming to finish her off. And it looked like she was about to fall, or that she should, I mean, give up, back up, whatever, pause, call for a timeout, I don't know. But what I saw next stopped me, because there was a look in her eye that said, bring it, that said, I'm not done yet. I will get back up. I will finish it, and you can't stop me. And there's just something about this intense look in her eyes that no matter how she looked physically, no matter how battered and beaten up she was, she had this indomitable spirit in her. And it was just one of those crazy... When I saw this, I was so enamored with this picture of this woman. It was like coming out of the movie Wonder Woman and being like, oh, she's so cool, I want to be like her. That was how this image was for me. I, I remember saying to God... I want to be that person. I want, I want to have that look in my eyes that no matter what happens, I will not back down. I will not, I can fa- pace, um, pass and face whatever comes my way because I have that look in my eye. And it's that spirit, that, that, fight, that, that fight in the spirit. And I believe God is wanting to create the indom- indomitable spirits in all of us and a spirit that the enemy in the world finds is impossible to subdue or defeat. And that helps us persevere through the storm. And God is creating in us a hunger for more of heaven and less of the world. He's creating an awareness in our spirits, too, that when we can declare, um, I'm going to have something up here, that we can declare the following, basically, and believe it wholeheartedly. And it's time to, to basically, those lies, discard the lies and replace them instead with declarations of who God has called us to be and who we are meant to be. This is also from Susie, because she's awesome. She had me back two and a half years ago. She wrote this down for me. And I had to declare this over me, even when I didn't feel like it. And even when I was like, man, you're making me do this. I just want to go home and pout. She had me declare this. It won't end this way. God has a dream for my life, and I've been called to more than this. God has greater plans for me. And I had to declare that and believe that because even when I didn't want to, I I still had the Holy Spirit in me. And just like you guys have the Holy Spirit in you, we have the authority and power to declare this over our life and over the power of the enemy and the lies that he has. So I wondered, um, Tam, uh, Lori, could you come up? And ministry team, can you come up too, please? Uh, but I want us to, we're going to pray for you. For those of you that are especially here today that are struggling with this. I am not the, I was honest and I was real with you guys, and that was a little embarrassing for me. And I put myself out there as vulnerable, knowing that this could always be thrown back at me. But guys, I know I'm, I'm not the only one that has struggled with feeling like a failure, feeling pathetic, feeling like you have just been fighting a losing battle. And if any of you are fighting for your families, fighting for your friends, fighting for your work or whatever, and you just want prayer, you say, you're saying, I can't do this, I am so overwhelmed and I just need to be strengthened, I want to quit and I can't quit. Lord, just speak to us today, oh God, that Lord, you would just show us in our hearts who you have called us to be, that we would just discard the lies of the enemies this morning. If there are any of you today that just need strength, who need to find your strength renewed, we're here for you. We want to pray for you. 
We want to help you remove those lies. Those, those same lies I believed about myself, I know some of you are believing them today. Let me see if I can find it. If you have called yourself in the last week pathetic, if you've called yourself a failure, alone, desperate, if you don't trust God, if you don't trust yourself, if you have just found yourself just a failure and you're just trying to get through the day, or even if you're like, God, I'm good, but I'm just so tired and weary and exhausted from these things that are going on in my life I have no control over, We want to pray for you. We want to minister. We want to love on you. You're not the only ones that have gone through things. We've all gone through things like this, but we just want to take this time to to pray for you. And so just come up at this time, and just we would love to minister and pray as, as Lori sings a song. My heart will sing no other name Just stand and worship with us. Just pray for these that are coming this morning.
Thank you, Sarah, for being vulnerable with us this morning. There's a passage of scripture that says, He brought me out of the pit and He put my feet on a rock. Aren't you glad we don't all have the same pit? We all have our own story. What can be really difficult, that's part of the hard part. You look around and it looks like everyone else is thriving and you're trying to figure out, why am I in this little pit over here? And you maybe weren't ready to come up and stand here this morning, but it doesn't mean you didn't hear. It doesn't mean you can't have your need met this morning. So we're just going to pray and bless you and let these folks stay if they want to stay. And if you still want to come up and invite someone to pray with you, we would have you do that. Father, we trust you and we thank you that you are God. And we know that life is hard and that even your children of Israel wandered for 40 years in a desert. And it was difficult and it was hard and it was dry and and yet you were there for them. And we trust and believe that you are here for us. And Father, if there is one sitting in this congregation today that is stuck in a pit and they're just not able to come out of that today, Father, we thank you for your word that comes to us. We thank you for strength that comes to us. We thank you for a moment, Father, of us being able to hear, oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one in this place. We speak words of life. We speak words of truth. We speak victory today. We thank you for, for your servants, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that we can trust that if maybe today is just step one, but you're going to keep moving us along and bringing us to that place where we're thriving in the promised land. We thank you for that. We bless this people. We bless again our students and our teachers as they go to work. We bless each one, Father, as they leave this place today, that they would sense and know that we are full of your spirit, and that we will see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And everyone said, Amen.